Our reading this morning are the words of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was quoting herself in a tweet from a Q&A she had participated in. Now is the time to stick together. My honest view is that things are likely going to get harder before they get better, and we will need to stick together. What is important in these moments, in moments like these, is not to think in binaries, good, bad, screwed, not screwed. There is no doubt that things are bad. Some things, really bad, and they may likely get worse. But that does not preclude the fact that slowly but surely some good can be growing as other things fall apart. This is not some syrupy, sweet silver lining case for optimism. Rather, it is really about a choice all of us will have to make in life, either consciously or unconsciously. Will I be a person who is safe and creates good for others? Will I be a person who primarily minds my business and serves myself or try to be something, part of something bigger? Or will I just be a passive, neutral observer of it all? What I sometimes tell my staff is that the world we are fighting for is already here. It exists in small spaces, places, and communities. We don't have to deal with the insurmountable burden of coming up with novel solutions to all the world's problems. Much of our work is about scaling existing solutions, many created by small, committed groups of people that others haven't seen or don't even know are around the corner. So while we can't change the world in a day, we can and do have the power to make our own world within our four walls or our own blocks. We can grow from there with the faith that someone out there, everywhere, uh, somewhere out there, everywhere, others are doing the same. And we will come together. That's why if you're a parent, how you parent matters. If you're a neighbor, how you are a neighbor matters. Many of our biggest problems are results of massively scaled up isolation from others. That means many of our solutions can be found in creating community. Ultimately, we live in this world and in this time. We have no choice but to engage in it while we're here. Even running away is a form of engagement. So will your engagement hurt or heal, build or bring down? There is no neutral choice, so we can at least do our best to make good ones and learn and do better the next day. Here ends the reading. Oh, thank you all for having me here. My name again is Leela Sinha. My pronouns are Z, Zim, and Zur. And I serve as an entrepreneurial community minister in um, Berkeley, California, and primarily, honestly, on the internet. I have a very spoken word, beat poetry, inflected style of preaching, and I like to warn people before I do it so that you can know that it will come in a different way. The words might come faster. Just let them flow over you. The ones you need will sink in, and all the other ones can just wash away. It's okay. Especially today, it's okay. <laughs> so good morning. I come before you today with a kind of a bubbling up rage. In the early 90s, there was this movie called Better Than Chocolate that I just loved. It was a chick flick for young lesbians, which in the early 90s, that was a miracle in itself. It was sponsored by the Canadian Arts Council, which, by the way, does some amazing work with their sponsorships. The only other movie like that at the time was an art film made on a low budget in Chicago called Go Fish which was also good, but it was from a generation earlier. Our queer generations tend to be short and punctuated by violence. I straddled that generation gap in the queer community like it was my lifeline, like it was my home base, because it was. 
I was caught between the first generation thrust into the spotlight by gay bashing and the AIDS pandemic and a future into which equal marriage would be born alongside queer bashing and the AIDS pandemic. And in this movie, Better Than Chocolate, there was a scene with a trans woman character who'd been attacked and she's trying to work it out. She's with her friend. She's processing what just happened to her. And they're encouraging her to move away from being like upset that maybe she did something wrong and into really feeling empowered. And eventually she gets to, I feel a little kind of a, a sort of a bubbling up rage. And I cannot stop thinking about that in this moment. A bubbling up rage. Rage because we saw this coming, not just since May, but for the last six years, for the last 20 years, since 1980. So my entire conscious life, basically, we saw this coming. It was a train wreck coming. And there was some fighting against it and lots of confusion. And there was a lot of fighting for it. And there was a lot of strategy for it and not much against it. And now here we are. And our imaginations may or may not be worse than what's actually coming next, but it does not look good especially not for people like me. But I come before you today to ask the question that I only have because of who we are. What are we going to do about it? And I don't mean some generic we out there. I mean, what are we going to do about it as Unitarian Universalists? And I don't just mean protests or even resolutions of immediate witness. Again, some of you have been long at this longer than I have been alive again and again and again, and those things have their place. But I learned that I had the right to be my entire self in church from being a Unitarian Universalist. That's where I learned I had the right to exist. I learned that from you, collectively from us, collectively from the institution, from the ideals. And then I also learned that the ideals don't always match our behavior in church. But today, I'm asking that we live up to ourselves, because this is one of the only places where I feel like I can actually come and claim and demand and insist that we be who we say we are. I need us, y'all. I need to believe us when we say things. You all believed in me when I was a kid. You all believed in me when I was growing up and I was moving into leadership and I was finding my feet and my voice in the space that I was going to occupy and I was finding what mattered to me and I was finding my skills and I was discovering that there was a place where I could be loud and real and fail and get up and be full and human and that this place was that place. Our congregations, our denomination, our national organization, our international presence, this was that place. And so now I need to believe in you. I'm going to believe in you so I can believe us when we say things. That's Unitarian Universalist faith in action. These were the places where I could actually live into what I later recognized as a call. And my call was sort of like my coming out. I didn't really see it coming. I just kind of moved into it. And then it smacked me in the face from behind. And here we are. Here we are. And I am fully this person. Everything you can see and some things you can probably guess. And I am the living presence of Unitarian Universalism and my existence is threatened because people are trying to take my rights away. And some of those people are outside our walls, but some of them are inside. I am grateful for the way the board vote went at General Assembly. But I learned that I had the right to be fully this person with this autonomy, full autonomy, full presence, even in all of the ways that I don't quite match here from being here. 
And it's not that I don't match the values or the ideals of Unitarian Universalism. I am literally cut from this cloth. What I don't match is the behavior of Unitarian Universalism and the way that the institution in its quest for comfort fails, has historically failed, we're having faith here, to live out what we claim to espouse, what we claim to strive for. I come before you today as a child of this faith, as an adult of this faith, as clergy of this faith, asking you to change that. The idealistic 14-year-old who signed that membership book in Westport, Connecticut, believes in you. We have always been good at outward-facing activism. We've always been good at that, sometimes good at the wrong thing, sometimes denominational-wide, we've picked the wrong causes. Sometimes our leaders have been terrible people. But we have been pretty good, mostly, at outward-facing activism, consistently. Mostly, we pick the morally right side of the conversation. Mostly, we're able to move the needle at least a little bit. That's something we are consistently good at. And that's why I think for a while, we've tried to build our whole institutional identity around that. But as a lifelong UU, I'm here to tell you that's not right. I mean, it's just wrong. That's not all of who Unitarian Universalism is. It's just the icing on the cake. It's just the outside shell. We really get confused. And I think it's partly because we don't have conversion classes for people who arrive as adults. And so there's no lesson in how to practice Unitarian Universalism that you can take when you get here if you didn't grow up learning it. There are no lessons in the skills that we need to practice Unitarian Universalism over the long haul in the hard and the quiet moments. And we try to sneak it in your leadership. We try to sneak it in like broccoli into brownies. But let me tell you, it's not enough. This much broccoli is not a serving. We are not learning to practice Unitarian Universalism together. And so when we can't sneak it in enough, then what we end up with is folks who think they know how to be Unitarian Universalist and want to be Unitarian Universalist, know how to be outwardly Unitarian Universalist, because we do that well, and we know how to teach that. But what we don't teach is Unitarian Universalism internally, in our congregations, in our committees, in our communities, in our hearts. Teaching that pause where you stop and get in touch with what you really mean and what it's going to do in the conversation before you say it, because that's Unitarian Universalist. The practice of sitting with one's own connection to whatever one finds holy. I don't, I don't have to argue about what you believe about God and weaving the link between that and action, getting so deep in relationship with that thing that you can touch it at a moment's notice every time you need it. The practice of being in community, communicating risk and repair and care and trust and joy knowing other religious traditions well enough to respect them and care for them and converse with them and collaborate with them even when they don't make sense to us. Knowing our own polity, what's happening at General Assembly and why, who goes and what power the General Assembly could have. We need to know this in all our congregations. Some congregations do better than others, not because everyone should go to General Assembly, but because if you're going to be part of a democratic institution, you have to understand how it works. You have to understand how it works because you have to understand that anytime you're in a democracy, it's not you versus them. It's you are them. You are the holder of the power. You are the holder of agency. No one is taking your agency away. It's in you. It's in you. It's in each of you. It's in each of us. It's in us. We are all part of it. The UUA is not some external thing out there. It's us. And the United States is not some external thing out there. It's us. 
we are all part of a democracy in the way that democracy is operating right now, the way that democracy is operating right now, the things that are happening with the mechanisms that we have in place that we are participating in, rights being taken away from groups of people, people being killed, people jailed at the borders, all of that, we are collectively participating in it. And we do know how to protest, and we do, and we know how to write letters, and we do. But let's be real, something is not working, because if it were, this mess wouldn't be happening. Something about the impact, the connection between the people and the institution of power and the people and each other is broken. And as you may have guessed, I'm mad about it. I come before you with a little sort of a bubbling up rage. And the thing that makes that rage non-lethal is my ethics, my faith practice. It's my religion. What our faith brings to the table is a kind of ethics, a kind of morality that allows us to act and act together out of something bigger than that rage. But what our faith isn't doing is creating the structure underneath it. That structure is what builds the connection between the people and the power and the people and the people. We are good at being public and visible and loud in protest. Now we need to shore up our own foundations and be loud in presence because that is where the deep change happens. We need to be Unitarian Universalist inside ourselves inside our hearts and inside our communities. We need to be who we say we are. Our faith tradition teaches us not to be internally destructive. I learned that at church, but in youth group at church, I also learned there that change isn't destruction. Change is life. Change is growth. Living communities move or they're dying. So we can't be destructive, but we can't be static. Not destructive to ourselves, inherent worth and dignity is sometimes hardest to practice solo, and not to our people, not where and when we gather, which is not to say we can't disagree. We absolutely can and should. Discussion is part of who we are. We are, I am fond of saying, a dialogical faith tradition. We're in dialogue all the time with somebody. And it's not to say that we shouldn't call out oppression when it happens. 100% we should. Those are productive and important conversations to have. What we need to do is develop the skills to have those conversations about love and oppression and faith and theology and spirit, to have conversations about bias and prejudice, to have conversations about systemic injustice and personal failing and individual injustice and personal transformation and allow those conversations to change us without destroying ourselves. So here's what I learned between age 14 and 18 about that in church. First, we have got to listen to the most marginalized. We have to listen to the stories of people with the actual lived experience and just believe them without arguing. That's not a place for debate. We have to allow ourselves to care for one another. Even when it's painful to be close to someone who's hurting or to hear their story, we have to allow ourselves to care for one another. We have to be present with one another. And when we're doing that, we have to have healthy boundaries. And we have to have mutual aid, material aid, money and food and housing and transportation. We need to literally support one another. We have to be creative and disruptive. Unitarian Universalism, if nothing else, we have a legacy of creative disruption. We are famously disruptive. We do not believe in following the rules if the rules were meant to be broken. So 
what rules have we believed in our heads that if we could just do an end run around them, it would allow us to move closer to justice? What rules have we got written down that we need to question? For example, Robert's rules of order, not necessarily the best way to have a group conversation. What is causing oppression that we need to question and change? What is the legacy of colonialism that we need to question and change? Another thing I learned is to get on the bus if it's going to the right neighborhood. I learned that it's okay as a leader to follow. And even if they're not going to the exact perfect place I want to go, if they're going close, I'm going to work with them. And that more than okay, one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader is to follow another leader. I cannot tell you as a leader what a relief it is when someone else who is a leader gets in line behind me. And what a relief it is to give up being in charge of everything for a minute and get in line behind someone else. It doesn't even have to be perfect. You can still get on the bus and be like, okay, that's not how I would do it, but it seems like a reasonable plan. Let's go. And then you encourage everyone else to get on the bus. And we can also do this in our external work. We do not have to and should not be trying to lead everything. We can trust others. I learned that moments of personal intimacy are important. They are absolutely critical for building relationship, which is to say, leave some space and some time and some energy for telling stories and making connections that are not directly related to the agenda and rearrange the agenda if something really big is happening. Rewrite your sermon four times if something really big is happening. People matter. Agendas are not that important. I learned that everyone has needs, including me, and that my needs matter. And so do everyone else's, but not in the face of harm. I learned that intentions are important, but impact is where the rubber meets the road. And I learned that if there's any line in the Bible that I have the most complicated relationship with, it is the greatest of these is love. The context for that line is complicated, but the individual line, the greatest of these is love, echoes something I saw a long time ago. When I was a little kid, we, my family, went to the Unitarian Universalist Church in Stamford, Connecticut. And on the front of their pulpit at the time, I don't know if it's still there, there was a bas-relief chalice in the style of the UUSC. And over it, in Gothic letters, it said, God is love. Now, at the time, I was an atheist, my parents are atheists, and so I didn't really know what to do with that, because this was supposed to be a space where atheists were welcome, and I didn't know if that meant we didn't actually belong in the church, but I knew it was sort of historical, so eh. But then after a while, I realized I could flip it around. I was learning to become a Unitarian Universalist. I was learning to claim agency. And so I said, what if love is God? which means love is that all-powerful force in the universe that brings us together. And that helps us be more than we can think we think we can be alone. Could get behind that. Love is the force. It is that force, but the force alone doesn't do anything. It needs something to act with and something to act on. You know why our youth and young adults are so amazing? because they practice our faith together and alone, most of them every day, that love is in action, act with, act on. They practice love with each other. They practice communication with each other. They practice conflict navigation and trust and repair. And they believe in us, or at least they believe in themselves. They believe in Unitarian Universalism. The adults eh, were kind of sketchy. So here's the dream from my 14 and 16 and 18-year-old self to you. I think we need conversion classes. I know that's a weird place to end the sermon in a week where it feels like what we need to do is shout in the streets, but we need to work on all these skills for everyone, not just those of us who got here before we were 18. We can't 
be that best kept secret. We can't have that be the only way to enter deeply into Unitarian Universalism to get here as a kid. Like that can't be the only way in because that's what's actually going to change us. And the world is deep practice. Everyone should know about us. Everyone should have access to those skills, which means everyone needs to learn and everyone starts with us. I would love to live in a world where when I walk into a room and say, I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister, certain kinds of oppressive conservatives shake in their boots and nobody says, you know what? But until we live in that world where everybody already knows that we exist, who we are, how they can come to us, what we can give them, sucker, support, community, a place to grow theologically. Before we can do that, we have to have an identity to offer. We have to really have those things. We have to have a unified sense of ourselves. And that means that the people who arrive after age 18 have to have the same tools and skills as the people who arrived before 18 are given so that we can be one church, so that we can be one faith so that we can be one association, and so that we all know how to be Unitarian Universalist from the core out. Because otherwise, no matter how much we do in the world, it's hollow. And change doesn't come from hollow. Let's really change ourselves this time. Let's work on it. Let's teach. Let's learn. Let's become one Unitarian Universalism, one faith tradition. And from that, let's change the world. Blessed be and amen.